0: Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house, wish I played in a rock and roll band, somebody give me a dollar bill, so I can pass out
1: Well, this week on Podgave Rock, we had some audio issues that unfortunately made the first 10 minutes of this podcast unusable. So, a quick recap of that first 10 minutes. We talked about Kirkland Scotch and how it's uh McCollin runoff. We also discussed with our new guest, Mr. Nick Wagen, the spelling of his name that I thought was Wagen, but it's Wagen, we discovered he is nordic and german so white and we also talked about his love of the cleveland browns and especially their new quarterback deshaun watson uh he even discussed the tiny towel that he and the rest of the cleveland browns fans will be waving this year in support of their team uh then we got to our normal questions for new guests asked nick about his musical tastes, and he said Bob Dylan, and he said a couple of other things I don't remember, because as you can tell by the end of this pod, I was drinking wine and a lot of it. We got to the second question, which was your top two or three favorite live shows, and he mentioned The Flaming Lips, and that is where we join the conversation this week.
2: Neil Neil's gonna like that. Love it. Yeah, I I also had no idea what I was getting into when I went there, and <laughs> I was so fucked up. And <laughs> they came out, and there's people with bunny suits on the on the side of the stage. Uh, he came out in that you know that bubble. He was like a giant mm-hmm. hamster, uh, mm-hmm. and I was just like, what did I walk in?
3: <laughs> Where did you so see? That
2: him? Was, I saw him in Columbus. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a cool outdoor like amphitheater thing there and it was yeah it was it was really a cool concert. Okay, so uh, they go
1: all out. flaming lips best show you've ever seen or is there is there one that, that eclipses
2: Man best show I've ever seen uh you know yeah yeah you gave me this beforehand and I still am not sure. I you know I really like going to I saw Jethro Toll. I know you made fun <laughs> of me one time. You're like fucking Jethro Toll I was like yeah it was great. <laughs> uh, I saw him when I was 16. That may have been like one of the, the best show I've been to. It was just cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> Ian Anderson still had it then. You know, he wasn't. You know, he's like 80 now. He wasn't but, like you know, a he, an old man's version of ZZ Top at that point. He was a little bit. Uh, I went with my dad, and he was like super disappointed. He was like, I remember him being like, just wait till he comes out. He's like, he's like six four, 100 Sixty pounds, and then he comes out with his leather pants, and he's got his gut,
3: and
0: he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he well, shrunk three
2: inches. Hey
0: man, classical, <laughs> yeah. what is it?
2: Classical Gas,
1: amazing song. I-, I could listen to that any fucking day. Um, <laughs> and my college roommate, that was his favorite fucking band uh, for some reason. So I- I'm not, I- I'm not against Jethro Tull. I'm just like when you were like Jethro Toll best show ever. I'm like,
2: okay, okay. No, uh, but Sturgill, I saw Sturgill at the Greek too, and. He just killed it, so that yeah. might be up there too. So O A R yeah. at a at a golf course.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ohio in you just throw has to throw O A R in there.
2: Absolutely. Is that on uh, Netflix? Yes. It's-, <laughs> no, it, well, it's the wrong golf course. Sands like- the
1: R, <laughs> the wrong golf course. Well, okay. So last question. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop torturing you here, but. So if, if you and I were to like old school, get in a car, CD player, but instead we have streamers and you were like, dude, you got to hear this new band that I've been fucking
2: checking out. Who Who's it going to be? Ooh, new band. Uh, I I don't even listen to new music anymore. It's um have you heard of Warren Devon. Uh, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> no. well, you, you were you were I was we were listening to a Gardner friend of yours or
1: something like that a couple of weeks ago. Or there was a song about a gardener that you were super into.
2: Oh, yeah, that was very, that's a very bizarre thing. Uh, it's, I, get, I get like target advertisements now on Instagram of like very bad musicians. <laughs> and because and, and, I can't get enough of it, I just love it. I love it. I love it. And so now the algorithm's like, oh, this guy has the worst fucking taste in music. And they, they found this guy in the middle of nowhere. He had like 17 followers. And, and you made a 18. song about. Yeah, and there's this song about a garbage man, and I thought it was like maybe you know maybe it's a metaphor. No, it's, <laughs> he's this guy is super pissed off at a very specific uh, garbage man, and it sounds like personal, like an absolute, like personal
3: vendetta. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's weird, but uh, no, I'm yeah. right now. It's I wouldn't consider it new, but I've been listening to you know Kid Koala. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, so Kid Koala, do you know like Dan the Automator? I, I have a really eclectic taste in music when it comes to, like hip hop and stuff like that. He, Dan the Automator and like Kid Koala, he, he used to like, do music with, like Yell the funky Homo Sapien
1: okay. like, yeah. kind of
2: like I do know that shit like that.
1: that but he
2: has this this album called uh, Songs to Draw To, and it's just it's great to listen to while you're uh, just working. It's just really like hypnotic kind of lo-fi stuff. Oh, it's totally different than cool. like the stuff we well, talk about, but I dig well,
1: it. Why you're drawing? Because Nick, tell tell the uh, the millions of Pod, Give, Rock and Roll fans uh, what you do for a living. you at
2: oh, I sell drugs to high school kids. Uh,
0: <laughs> ah, yes. yes. <laughs> no,
2: I uh, I co-owner of a visual effects company in so, Los Angeles here. Yeah.
1: So for the next three weeks, doing visual effects is like producing. So Nick uh-huh. is going to really dive into the nuts and bolts of production in all of these songs we talk about for the next three weeks. So I can't wait to, to hear, <laughs> yeah. to hear yeah, you, you, you do got that. He's been guy.
3: studying for weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got the right guy here. Yeah, uh, visual, <laughs> visual
2: effects artist talking about music.
1: Well, talking about music and music news that I saw this week that I'd like to just touch on real quick. There's two things. One is that I did not know Weezer had a residency on Broadway. And two, they had to cancel it because lack of ticket sales. And oh. I was not surprised by that. But are, would you guys be surprised at like Weezer own Broadway? Wait, wait, what are you more surprised by? Weezer own Broadway or Weezer getting canceled because of lack of ticket sales on
3: Broadway? I think I'm more surprised with them not selling enough tickets. I mean, mm. I would go. It doesn't it's not something I would be like, oh, we got to hit that. But I feel like they're popular enough that people would be interested enough not to cancel it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> OK, Nick, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, if I had to lean a certain direction, I think it would be that. Neither kind of surprised me, though. Uh, like American <laughs> Idiot was on Broadway. First of all, that's a guilty pleasure. I think American Idiot is a great album. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You listened, to last oh, week. you listened to last week's pod before you came on here, didn't you? <laughs> no, I don't listen to any of your podcasts. I'm oh. Uh, oh, no, my. I'm just joking. I'm joking. But um, no, I, I, I think it's great. I think it's, I wouldn't say brilliant, but it's its a great, it's, a, it's an opera.
1: Yes. Well, I, I say that because last week we had a guest who was going to see Outside Lands and Green Day was the headliner and Neil was like super stoked for him. And I was like, Neil is the only American Idiot fan I know. I was like, Neil is the only person I know that has listened to American Idiot from front to back. And then we follow oh. it up with this bullshit? Yes. Well, yes, you're we
2: got so two wrong. Now. You're living oh under my a rock, dude.
1: And oh you got to listen
2: to the whole thing. No, yeah. I remember... Jesus I remember of suburbia? It and, yeah, it's so good. And I remember uh, even in high school kind of being embarrassed because, you know, we uh, we grew up with, like, Dookie and Insomnia, uh, Insomniac, right? And um, mm-hmm. I was like, and this is, this is a departure. And you're like, oh, they're not cool. And it's kind of like, what's in the Weezer now. You're like, what is... Like, I'm not a... <laughs> i can't listen to weezer man i but i love like blue album uh and pinkerton but okay. yeah that's my that's my guilty pleasure is uh american idiot
1: okay well i'm gonna just move on past american we've already spent <laughs> enough time in the two years we've been doing this Not podcast you, talking Josh. about Not american enough. idiot let me let me Next just say week. that we even have done a green day song but anyway I, I will answer since neither of you asked me uh how i felt about weezer. um i <laughs> I was surprised they were on Broadway. I mean, I, I just don't see we I don't see them being a New York like the Strokes on Broadway. Sure. But Weezer, like I don't see them as being like a New York band that like tourists are coming to fucking see or that like hipsters in Brooklyn will just go kind of sell out. The or like Billy Joel and Madison Square Garden, I, that just seemed like a weird fit to me.
3: So but, prolific though, they're they're just doing stuff all the time, like true. covering songs, and that allows them to tour the world and be they do probably cruises, sell out.
1: Weezer cruises. <laughs> I, I would not go to a Weezer
3: cruise. Well, actually, my wife hates Weezer, and one year for Valentine's Day, um, I made a fake ticket that I got us uh, Weezer cruise <laughs> tickets. Be like, are you happy, honey? <laughs> Pack right. your bags, babe. <laughs> we're going to see Weezer. <laughs> Pack that a sweater. <laughs>
1: on
2: the boat. Um, for a week. It's like CIA CIA torture. You cannot leave this boat. It's going to be <laughs> Weezer 24 7.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we were talking about the Ronettes Be My Baby, a single from 1963 written by Jeff Barry, Ellie Greenwich, and Phil Spector, and produced by Phil Spector, and released on Phillies.
3: Well, I feel like this song has always had a date with Pod Gay Rock. I was just the first <laughs> one to pick it. Um, I know uh, we've all we've been talking about doing it for a while, so <laughs> it was about time. And, I mean, I think we've all always known this song, but I think I fell in love with it for good about 10 years ago. Um, One of those situations, I don't know if you guys have ever just, you know a song is in existence, but you're really not aware of how brilliant it is. You know what I mean? Then there's like one night you give it a listen, and you're like, holy shit, (laughs) that is really good. I mean, since then, I've researched it and over the years and realized how much of a just important of a record it was. It sounds great, but it's also packed with just like, pure kind of love and infatuation that everyone kind of relate to in a way one way or another watching it and listening to it i was watching this live version of them doing it and they just kind of have it all they have the hair the voices the looks the dance moves and like i was just laughing watching it like just at its brilliance like holy shit man they're so (laughs) good at this and it really is it's just pop perfection i mean it's sculpted so much music and production moving forward since.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was going to say, like, I, I thought we all knew this from Dirty Dancing.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: I'm not ashamed to admit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's either that or uh, Oldies 94.7, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, Oldies Station in the uh, 80s and 90s in Mississippi. But this makes me think of, like, bubblegum pop, but, like, the grandmother of bubblegum pop. I hear the late 50s and the 60s in the song. I can see the hoop skirts. And the slick hair, and the jeans, and the bows, but I can also see the long hair, and the sideburns, and the fucking shit that's coming. There's like doo-wop innocence with like a little bit of da- there's some danger in this song that I don't think I really realized before listening to it this week. It's sexual in, in a way. Uh, some of that the like other stuff from that era is not. Uh, but but that's probably due to her voice. It's so unique. But it's weird because the lyric is like it's kind of innocent and it's kind of like sh- under a spell in some way. I don't know if it's her or the guy, and, and and combined with that drum track and the harmonies, it's it's as close to a perfect record as I as you're gonna find. It's of the '60s and it lives there, and it's, you can definitely tell it's it's from that decade. But it's always good to hear and not, mm-hmm. like, solely, like, a lot of times, like, a lot of talk, songs we talked about in this pod that are like, oh, it's of the 60s, it's very nostalgic. This isn't really nostalgic. You just listen to it, and you're like, fuck, man. Certain things about this song really fucking, like, stand up still, what, 60 years later?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's got a really good hook. It's incredible. And I think this is, I think this song has been sung most into, like, hairbrushes than any other song <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: in any
2: certainly <laughs> In, like any era uh, are you calling this hairbrush rock nick <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i'll coin that i'll say that okay <laughs> i like it i <laughs> dig cool it with that but you know i wanted to at first i was like why this song i was like why are you picking this i wanted to kind of like i'm not gonna lie neil i wanted to kind of shit on you a little bit but then <laughs> at, this was on my very first tape that i ever owned which was uh, <laughs> supposed to be a motown tape but it had a bunch of other things like that, you know, like Elton John, uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I'm trying to think of what else was on there, but it was all over the place. But it Well, hopefully there a was really- a Temptation song at some point. There was. There was a Supreme <laughs> song. Uh, there was a Four Tops song. And mm-hmm. also, by the way, gun to my head, I thought I thought this was sung by the Shangri-Las. And I'm <laughs> so Sorry.
1: <laughs> Are you apologizing to God or the Ronettes? <laughs> I, I,
2: think I think all of them. I, I just like it's just one of those things. It's like, oh well, it's it's a great song. I feel like it had, it deserves more respect to be like, oh, it's not them because there's something that seems almost like these. This was almost the beginning of somewhat seems like manufactured bands in a sense. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it seems very unfair now, looking back on it and comparing them to those. Fans, like Shangri-Las or The Supremes. Yeah, so even The, te- guess even I the Temptations, it. to a certain
1: extent. I mean, But even even though you say this is the Ronettes, I mean, Ronnie's the only Ronette that's on this track at all. Mm-hmm. This is basically like the best songwriters of the era and this prodigy producer with the Wrecking Crew who would go on to do hundreds, like everybody who had hit songs for the, from like 60 to 65 are involved in this record. And then you just have Ronnie Spector's voice. And that is the yeah, one Ronette.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's an it's an army of great musicians, producers. It's, it's really just the talent all coming together and her great voice. And yeah, I mean, the other Ronettes aren't on this, but you know, that's really not the point. Like they are the Ronettes and they, they <laughs> sang it many, many times.
1: this song, when I hear it, especially when I heard it this week, and I think I've always thought this about this song, it
3: is all about the drum track. Even yeah. more so than her voice. Well, there's... It's all about, not even the drums, the percussion. Because there's shakers, castanets, like, claps, Wait, and what, there's very... What are castanets? Like the almost, little clam um, thing. Yeah. Little, right? cl- yeah. They're yeah, usually I used agree. more in, like, um, kind of South American kind of, or kind of Spanish kind of stuff, but this is and it used in a very different way.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I looked it up because that's what I thought. I was like, is that, what are those things called? And I actually Google. this is how much I know about music, guys, is like, you know. <laughs> I looked up clam-shaped, music thing
3: (laughs) yeah well i yeah i had to google i had to google like uh be my baby percussion and like i had no idea what it was i was like what the fuck is that
1: but everything you're talking about is fine and it sounds great throughout the song but there's a bump bump bump, pow totally and then those massive massive fills Throughout um, yeah, the, the song, especially in the outro. And then you even, like, have the drum playing the part of a guitar in the song. Because, like, in the verse, the Yeah, it's all drum. Which I, I don't know if I've ever heard a song that the drum is that up front.
3: Yeah. In terms of, like, steering I, music. What I was mentioning, yeah, there are awesome roles. It starts with amazing drums. But during the verse... There's like, he's not even playing a kit, it's just a snare hit. And the rest of the percussion is all the little claps and shakers and castanets. And it's just just such a kind of combination of so many different techniques to get the right drum sound.
1: It's the wall of sound, bro. It's the wall of- Yeah, sure Which which, which I guess, we don't always do this on the pod, but I mean, we're starting off with kind of the musical stuff. I mean, it it is The Wrecking Crew, which, you know, there's a documentary on Netflix, if you have not seen. Is it Netflix or Prime?
3: I don't know. Who, who Such a fantastic name, though. <laughs> the
1: but I don't crew. even know if they were the wrecking crew at this point, like from what I came up with. Uh, you have Tommy Tedesco, Tedesto and Bill Pittman on guitars, Hal Blaine on drums. Michael Spencer was one of four keyboard players. Sonny and Cher and Darlene Love were part of the backup singers. Those are the only ones I could find. But this is like the crew that played on so many hits and the Beach Boys songs that you know because Brian Wilson was obsessed with this song. But the 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 craziest thing I read about this was uh Hal Blaine, the drummer, was like, So we started off, I dropped one of my sticks. And so just to like make up for it, I was like, boom, 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 pow. And they were like, all right, I'll keep it. Yeah, it was a mistake. And that is the that is thousands of drum lines later.
3: Yeah. It almost sounded manufactured to me I, I almost didn't believe it because <laughs> i feel like phil was such a perfectionist i don't know it it sounds cool and maybe he did drop a stick on who knows
1: but this is also early in phil's career so and, mm-hmm. and i have no words to really describe what phil specter does or how he does it i mean they say wall of sound and it's just like just throw all the shit on the wall and we'll see you know what works but it seems like every fucking instrument that's going on here is he like Brian Wilson, like some fucking musical savant who's just like, I hear it, I hear it, I hear yeah, it, I hear yeah, it, take totally. it, take it, do that, do that.
3: I re- I read something where uh, Phil said he was wondering how many joints Brian Wilson smoked and just listened to this song trying to figure out what the fuck he was doing. Just almost proud that no one could, no one knows what the wall sound exactly is.
1: But here's the thing, like you you guys were talking about how all the percussion y'all heard. I really went like musically in this song. I, I just hear the drums. And there's some shaking, and it's well, kind of like the
3: strings. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: yeah. I hear that
2: castanet. Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, that castanet. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like
2: it's it's like it moves fast. But and yeah, it,
3: and it's way up front. That's the whole thing.
2: Yeah, it, but it it all comes together really smooth and very. It sounds when at least to me, as someone who's not really nuanced with the stuff, it sounds. It all comes together as a more subtle thing, even though there's this. You got clicking going, just, <laughs> out of control well, yeah you're
1: talking about the clicking i don't even notice that like i just noticed drums and everything else just kind of falls into line and it sounds great and i'm like her voice drums
3: sweet and that's the brilliance of the wallace sound like it's it's probably 50 instruments when you include all the strings all the different tracks but it sounds really bare
1: yeah that makes sense because during the <laughs> verses there, there's really, it doesn't sound like much is going on to me. It's just like
3: tonight. you're Well, one important part besides, I know what you're saying, but you can't miss that bass line. ba, 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 I mean, that's a big part of the song.
1: I didn't notice the bass once this week. Listen to it. I, I just, just drawn in so much to the drum track. I just couldn't. Yeah. Pay
3: attention I, to I'm
2: going time. with Josh on this one too. I think that draws the end, but I, I think, that was somewhat popular then too, because like back to the Shangri-Las. I feel like leader of the pack. There's some mm-hmm. things that were very much had that kind of that mm-hmm. simple, like boom, boom, boom.
1: Well,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I think that so from what I read, which I don't know if Wikipedia is not always right, <laughs> but that this was the I'll first time. This was the first time that bum bum pow, bum buh, bum pow, bum. And then that everyone was, the first was like, time that had been done, and then yeah. everyone was like, oh my god that's the new <laughs> drum beat we're to have to google
2: uh when little drummer boy was written because i think that would be the <laughs> very first of the
0: drum
1: moving past the music specifically let's move to the vocal ronnie Spector, her voice is hard to describe because She's not doing anything fancy except the whoa
3: woes. Well, her vibrato and just just her delivery of the lines. I mean, it's she's got a very unique voice. It, it's nothing like where you're like, oh, my God, she's like some kind of savant. But she perfectly hits every single note. It's
1: choices she's making. It's very Billie Holiday-esque where you're like, this isn't like Diana Ross from that time. You know, like Billie Holiday was not Ella Fitzgerald. The song almost seems tongue-in-cheek
2: a little bit because she's like,
0: Tonight, you mine. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's, it's a little away from that, uh, like, soulful kind of thing. It's almost that it goes with that bubblegummy kind of feel a lot. That
3: mm-hmm. The hairbrush um, rock.
2: The hairbrush <laughs> rock. You know, the tail fin and chrome kind of thing rather than <laughs> Mississippi kind of
1: thing.
2: Yeah, she's not trying to be sad.
1: She's trying to be like... What's up? Like with the shoulder, like mm-hmm. and and I am wearing a tank top yeah, right now. Yeah, so y'all are seeing a lot of shoulder you're, here.
2: You're doing it for me right now.
1: Josh. I, <laughs> I'm in a garage and it's fucking hot. So, <laughs> but, but she's like wax on, wax off. You know, very yeah. Calm. It
3: is it is the decisions. And I read she um, to practice for this, she she preferred to go into the bathroom at the record studio to work on that. She was in there for hours, kind of perfecting those. Oh
1: oh oh oh. Are we all in agreement that the uh 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 is the catchiest part of the song?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah.
1: would agree with that. And it, it's which is which is funny because usually it'd be like the be my baby be my be my would be the catchiest part, but it's a wah, uh 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 like when Whoa. you walk away from the song and you haven't heard it in an mm-hmm. hour, you may just like be going to get a sandwich and be like, well
2: uh uh like that's coming <laughs> into the head, right?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: yeah, if you play say. this at a party, though, you'll you'll see people like mouthing the part where they're like, be my little baby. You'll see a lot oh, of yeah, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that part, too. They cannot help themselves. Like, <laughs> I... Then that, the, whoa, oh, 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 <laughs> that's how well I can sing. Just brings it home. <laughs> and then by that point, people are like, this is a great song. <laughs> hey,
0: what? <laughs>
3: crazy how it's it's so short. Do they say be my baby like 50 times in the song? Because it's just the two verses, and then it's just a bunch of be my little babies, be my babies, oh. and whoa, whoa, whoa. For- well, that's the thing. You look at this song, okay? It's such a demanding song.
1: Every fucking line of this song is like a demand.
0: There, there's some, mm-hmm.
1: like, dark, and I may be reading too much into how they're, like, Spectre and, and Ronnie ended up, but, like, there's some dark, like, undertones to this of, like, spell casting or do what I tell you to do like here's what's going to happen if if you do this for me like mm-hmm. I can promise you everything in the world if you if you be my yeah. baby and and with her singing it with that voice and we're talking about like the people who wrote this song, and we talked about the record crew, we kind of hit on Specter. But the people who wrote this song, the other two, uh, Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich, And these are two folks who basically were involved in most hits of that era, like yeah, do run, 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 and and then she kissed me, which is
3: very similar to the well, song. I read that it was it was a lot of Phil. It was kind of his idea. I'm sure they helped him craft the work around it, but it was a love letter to her. To get Ronnie.
1: See, but my thought was that they wrote the song and then, yeah, her voice is insanely unique and it sucks that he pretty much suppressed that for the rest of her career. But like the sound of the song is what is why the song like it changed music. So like he has to be a songwriter. But he yeah, but I'm saying
3: he wrote it and produced it and made it sound like that. And there is a haunting quality to it because it's kind of like, you don't know if someone's just, it's someone longing for like this person that they're never gonna get, or it's very kind of like wishing, like you said, wish casting like like, uh,
1: spell casting. Yeah, yeah. Tonight, you're mine, darling. Mm -hmm. It's like, (laughs) what's the the Monster Mash song like? (laughs) You're mine, my darling, and be my baby. Okay, okay. And it almost turns it on its head by throwing her in to sing it with Mm -hmm. that just insane voice, which, This was one of his first big hits, and she had never sang anything. Like, he heard her sing something and was like, let's do this. They released this song as a single in 63, and then it was on an album introducing the brunettes in 64, which I listened to today. And, like, other than a couple of covers that they do on that, this song is so far and beyond anything on that fucking
3: record. Huh, yeah, yeah. I don't know any other songs, really.
1: They do a great Ray Charles, what I say. Like, a great version of that.
3: Very nice
1: so Nick, why don't you tell us your favorite part of this song
2: I w- I mean I've said it a million times I'll say it again it's the castanets uh, it's the- <laughs> <laughs> no it You're is- obsessed I- with the castanets. no I, I it's I would have to say not to echo what you guys say but it's the whoa oh 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 and it's it's just so inviting you can't help but just feel good about it It reminds you and you know you' saying it has a ton of like enchanting quality and stuff like that, but I see it as, like, bubblegum, a feel-good song. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a, it's supposed
3: to be a hit. Yeah, they went and
2: go play a hit, and they did, and that's what uh, I'm hearing. And they did yeah. it a fucking and it's... awesome job, it.
3: It's like a dream. There's optimism because she hasn't asked him out or like, it's all just kind of like, this is her daydream of like, what could be.
1: I think the wo wo woos, because, and again, I'm looking too much into this, but the wo oh, 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 it's supposed to be bubblegum. And the bubblegum is playful. Like, uh 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 oh, like, who fucking cares? <laughs> like be my baby or don't, I'm gonna fucking like, we're at the sock. You're not necessarily the sock hop still. It's kind
3: of in between the sock hop and the protest rally. But yeah, I mean, I, I love all that stuff. I think one of my favorite line deliveries is just kind of the passion in the uh, since the day I saw you, like she kind of like her voice is cracking a little bit. Well, they do that. Nick, you may not know as much
1: about this, but the chorus is nope. a simple like doo-wop one, six, four, five chord progression. And the verse is basically uh, one, two, five. But that pre chorus so once you say you love me, we're going mm-hmm. to some sharp sevens. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the drug dealing sevens. It's more of like a soliciting seventh. You know, it's <laughs> like it's like a, I'm on the street corner being like, come on, baby.
3: You, why don't you say you love me? <laughs>
1: You want know, make you so yeah. proud of me.
3: Yeah, can yeah. Add that pinky yeah, it, to make it a seven.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I'm familiar with those numbers just in general. Get them in order. I have no idea what you're saying.
0: <laughs> but, uh,
2: but yeah, there's like a it's like imagine it's like a almost a Lolita thing but without the sinister aspect of it. It's just like a come hither yes. kind of thing. But, but you know the
1: seven like, is what's giving you the the sinister aspect. Like yeah. when it goes to that seven, it's like a blue it's like a dirty kind of blues thing. They're going like boom. Boom, 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 and yeah. then it goes to that.
0: So won't you say you love me, Daddy?
1: So it, it like it, it kind of turns it into something it, more sexual. Like very, very nice.
2: Jessica Rabbit, Betty
1: Boo. Yes.
3: Uh, <laughs> the seventh is perfect pre-chorus because it sets up the be my baby so well. It gives it that um, anticipation.
2: But
1: it's also know? just such an interruption of like sexuality in such a bubblegum like. So
0: won't you please be my be uh-huh. my Uh,
1: You know, so then it becomes this just like Mm -hmm. uh, poppy thing. And again, I'm not
2: sure pop really existed before this. Yeah, Do you think at that time, though, like that kind of music and that kind of reading between the lines, the subtext is like they had to make a song like this for it to be radio friendly, things like that. You know, they couldn't be more
3: overt with it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so they, they, they couldn't kind of put that anything. drug dealing seventh in
2: and then, <laughs>
1: yeah. it had to be a soliciting seventh. they weren't even ready to deal with drug dealing yet that was <laughs> 70s and elo and and whatever but the soliciting seventh was there for the 50s and 60s to take Just a couple fun facts. Uh, This reached number two on the pop charts, and it sold more than two million copies in 63, and it was only uh, released in August, which is impressive. This was rated number 22 on the Rolling Stone 500 list, which we always refer to, Nick, and I think that might be the second highest song after Day in the Life that we've done.
3: As it it should be. Wow, 22.
2: Man, I'm a little I'm a little surprised by that I guess I'm just naive uh with how influential the song is as yeah, someone it's, who's you know,
3: it's like respected that. just as a pop production just kind of on a mm-hmm. standard bear you know well and I mean?
1: also I don't think we focus enough on the fact that like the backup harmonies in the song are basically everything Brian Wilson did after this
3: Mm-hmm, yeah and, like, and one quick note that's just Cool to hear about the production, about uh, Spectre and the Wall of Sound. Apparently, he had the band, the full orchestra, run this thing 40 times before he even turned the mics on. He's like, Jesus we're not – no, Christ. he ran it 40 times, then turned oh, the mics wow. on. But that's how you get this. And and that brings us to the live time <laughs> portion
1: of this pod. And, and Nick, as the guest, you get to choose the vibe music for us. So I want you to to make some kind of sound that is the vibe of this podcast in three – Two. One.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Classic. I
2: forgot. Ugh. I forgot I could do that. For oh, my years. God. And I did that the other night with my wife goes, what the hell was that? I was like, yeah, I can make my mouth sound uh, like water. <laughs> that, that made me my favorite
1: one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Neil, it's your song.
2: When specifically do you
3: want to hear this song? Well, I must say, no one is ever sorry if this comes on. No one's like, not again, not be my baby. Um, and Nick, I'm glad you came around. I'm glad you didn't give me shit and you realized the genius of this song. <laughs>
1: um,
3: I do love to listen to this alone um, and just kind of marvel at the genius myself. It, it's one of those songs that I, I will put on often. But specifically, I want to hear it this weekend at my sister's wedding. Grab my wife's hand. Uh. and have a Sweet romantic moment. <laughs> Which sister is getting married? What's her name? Uh, Jessica. Jessica, this, this pod is for you, babe. Uh, Cheers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, Cheers. Cheers. To and and to, to, to many more. I, I've actually already put down the entire bottle of director's cut. So, to, to many more, <laughs> more marriages? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to many more years of marriage, I guess. Uh, Nick, when specifically do you want to hear Be My Baby? I
2: think this is a great cross coast song to listen to okay what state is north texas because there's nothing there <laughs> there's
3: nothing there
2: so this would absolutely fill the void
3: perfect
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> okay okay so we're filling the void in north texas we're playing it at your sister's wedding and for me you know when the next time when i want to hear this song specifically the next time i have sex
3: Okay. <laughs> Indeed. You, what, you're gonna you're gonna get the candles out just boom boom boom
1: yep <laughs> do do like a like one of those stupid dances that she's gonna laugh at and be like stop it and then it, <laughs> okay. and then like, the magic goes down
2: like, like buffalo bill that's what i imagine yes, right. yes yes yes. <laughs> just
1: tucked in and everything and and then we go and uh and speaking of tucked in and everything i think it's time we uh slide on the influence and talk about the influences of this song. So Nick, we're going to we're going to let you start this off. What do you think this song influenced? What was it influenced by? What do you think this sounds like? You
2: don't have to do all of those, but just something. Oh, I mean we we kind of covered it with the Beach Boys. Uh, Brian absolutely. Wilson absolutely. But it also there were a lot of people like I mentioned the Shangri-Las, the Supremes. I think it really kind of perpetuated those kind of as we said that Again, I don't like to say manufactured bands, but those kind of groups. I think it also has like it has a little bit of funk, and this could go into like even like disco. Like I can see a little bit of that in there, just like that little bit of Mm -hmm. funkiness. (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay, Neil, what what do you got for influences?
3: Um, Well, just specifically, I found it really cool that I didn't know until today that "Don't Worry, Baby" Beach Boys was a direct kind of answer to Be My Baby, like Makes that Makes sense, right, specific. when you hear that? Yeah, 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 and Wouldn't It Be Nice uh, specifically sounds a lot like this. Um, and then everything you mentioned, Nick, uh, just all that stuff like Temptations, My Girl, Baby Love, Supremes, Then He Kissed Me, kind of all those kind of uh, hairbrush rock songs, you know? Um, and obviously, we can't not mention our good friend, Eddie Money.
1: Oh Just God. like
3: Ronnie says, be my, <laughs> my little favorite, baby. My favorite, my <laughs> yeah. favorite, my favorite
1: result of the song is the Eddie Money. Is the... <laughs> Take me home tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Ronnie, rest in peace, right? <laughs> rest in peace, indeed. Uh, I would say, you know, the, the Brian Wilson comparison, obviously, uh, in an unhealthy way. Like, if you read about it, like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: he was listening to this song, like, he had the mental issues that he ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, block. the way you
3: guys describe
2: it, it's like, um, it's like True Detective when <laughs> <laughs> he's being smoking cigarettes
3: and I out what the hell's going <laughs> it's it's Fucking flat circle. flat circle. <laughs>
1: but no, I mean, look, this obviously comes from doo I mean, like you hear Lloyd Price, which we talked about last week, Dion, Buddy Holly, the Everly <sighs> Brothers. Uh, it's all there. Uh, but this just like moving forward. I mean, it, it really did just redefine what popular music was going to be moving forward. And it's hard to overstate that because yeah. it's like nothing sounded like this before.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah, then and specifically just like pop.
1: It's basically m- melding the doo-wop era with what's about to come for the next fucking 60 years in pop music. So
2: Yeah, um, and it's somebody that was born like 30 years after the song and naive to this, I had no idea. Like I didn't know how influential this has actually been. Very informative because I just love this song, but like well, I, 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 I didn't like because this to me, you know, I joke I thought it was the Shangri las but now I'm like, oh, uh, well, aren't I the aren't I the prick? <laughs> <laughs> let
1: yeah, you you're not sec- wrong. <laughs> let me tell you my second favorite influence on this. When Bob Seeger says, in fucking Night Moves, started humming a song from 1962. Mm -hmm. he got the year wrong but probably because it rhymed he was talking about this song love it right and speaking of nights moving (laughs) i think that is a perfect time for us to crawl under the covers and talk about the covers of the song and i'm gonna i'm gonna lead us off with this and i listened to a few the best one i think was jody miller did y'all hear the like kind of 60s country version of this by Jody Miller who which actually hit the country charts. It was recorded in the late sixties.
3: Hmm. No, I'll have to check that out.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there was a an indie band from the last twenty years called Lowland Hum. hmm It's just an indie version. It's not it was, bad.
3: I liked it. Unfamiliar. It's a it's a duet, right? Yeah, but musically it's fine. It's like a like a deserty bass. It's just such a good song. Like it's tough to really fuck it up. Uh, we're gonna get there. No, actually, I'm not. I'm not.
1: Uh, Linda
3: Ronstadt did a
1: cover. Uh, yeah,
3: it was nice, pretty. It's, it's like a
1: child. It's like a child's lullaby version of yeah, it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: It it's sleep-inducing. Uh, another. So so the Jody Miller one I mentioned earlier, and there's another guy named Andy Kim who did it. That both like they released them and they got into the top forty of the pop charts. And the Andy Kim version is like a '70s own cocaine cheesy pop version of the song that was <laughs> extremely <laughs> unnecessary and such a cash grab you know some like good looking white dude with sideburns and long hair and like a fucking nudie suit like just being like tonight you mine in life <laughs> needed you so yeah uh, yeah yeah i'm like how did that that's that's get it. into the top 40. You went um, very Neil Diamond for a
2: second there. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it's kind of a poor man's Neil Diamond is Andy Kim. And the last one I'm going to mention, which was a joy to listen to, was Aaron Neville. Uh, oh, and, nice. And instead of a drum solo, it's almost like the mole on his fucking face just started playing a flute solo <laughs> instead of the drum solo. And then after that, the he goes into even, he goes into an even deeper falsetto than he was already doing insanely uh, huh. fun to listen to. It's uh, amazing. Neil, did you listen to any other covers in
3: those? No, I just listened to the Lowland Hum. This song, it's tough. I didn't really want to dig too, too deep into covers because it is pretty perfect. Like, there's not much that anyone's going to do with it that's going to really uh, surprise me and make me want to listen to that version. But I've always loved that Lennon outtake version he does. And it's kind of, is it an outtake? I don't outtake? know if I've heard that. Yeah, you have. He does one. this song? Yeah, we tried it as a band back in the day. Remember, we we're doing the ba 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 boom boom. Oh, it's real slow, yeah. and then Lennon comes in tonight. Yeah, so that's that's definitely my favorite version, and that version is very haunting. It's like pretty scary the way Lennon's doing it, but in a sweet way.
2: I love that you sang this, you played the song, and you're like, I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> That's Once again, that's what Francis Ford Coppola's
3: <laughs> director's cut is going to do for you after an hour of
1: talking about Be My Baby. Frankie Copes. Nick, Nick, did you listen to any of the covers?
2: No, I was waiting for the definitive version, which is going to be yours. Oh, mm. oh, Nick. How do you like that? Huh? <laughs> it's going gonna, gonna to be your all along the Watchtower. No, no, it was like
1: my version of fucking uh, God Save the Queen. Uh, and speaking of God Saving the Queen, it's how the shoe fits, fellas. And and Neil, how does how does the shoe fit for Be My Baby by The Ronettes?
3: Um, Well, it fits great. Um, it fits like a super nice pair of dress shoes that are just way too expensive. Probably shouldn't buy, but they end up being worth it because you're looking good and turning heads. <laughs> and you didn't even
1: know how good they were gonna be. All right, Nick, what do you
2: think? I Jeez. like it. Oh, I think, I think these are roller skates. This is uh-huh. again, tail fins and chrome. Some, you know, some cute girl coming out with her on a roller skate, serving you a burger and fries in your car in the fifties. Uh-huh. I love it. Oh my god, skating backwards. That's uh-huh. what this is. <laughs> That's what this is.
1: Okay, so I'm I, this for me is like a foot massager. Like the one where you like you're walking <laughs> through the mall, you see Brookstone, you sit in the recliner, you put your feet in the fucking uh mm-hmm, massager mm-hmm. and it's just like it makes me feel so good. Mm-hmm. Like they, immediately when they start massaging the the muscles in my foot, I'm like, "Yep, this is where I want to be."
0: Mm-hmm. That's what
1: this song feels like.
2: Love mm-hmm. it. I couldn't be farther away from Brookstone with this song.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: well, on that note, our cover of the Ronettes Be My Baby.
3: cover you just heard was performed by josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and give us a good rating on apple or spotify or wherever you listen um, if you'd like to reach out to us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at Podgave rock next week it's your week josh what are we gonna do
1: we are gonna talk about the animals version of house of the rising sun can't wait <laughs>